It's never a setback. God doesn't do setbacks. He always does a setup. God always sets you up for something greater. Always. He always sets you up for something greater. Hello, and welcome to the Anchor of Beaumont podcast. Here, we love God and we love people. In this episode, we are preparing for Pentecost Sunday as Pastor Green begins a three-part series called I Am Filled. Over the next three weeks, we will discover why the Holy Spirit is so important. Please join us on this journey. If you have any prayer requests, please reach out to us on social media. We are more than happy to pray with you. Please like and share the podcast with your friends. We want to spread the gospel as far as we can using the tools that we have. Don't forget to check the description for links to references to scripture. So without further delay, let's get into it. Enjoy the message. John the Revelator, he writes, Revelation 21, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven, the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned or beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write these down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And those who are victorious will inherit all this. And I will be their God and they will be my King James Version says people. John writes in John 4, talking about thirsty woman at the well, she hungered and thirsted. He said, I'm, I've got water that you don't even know of. You'll never thirst again. But then he says this, and it goes, what's just what you just heard? The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him right now. Right now. The hour cometh and now is and now is I want to start a series today third uh, I want to start a series leading up to Pentecost Sunday and we completed a series two Sundays ago about being clean baptism and we had I don't know I, I guess probably now 13 people something like that baptized out of that baptism series, and some of those are here today, and I am so pumped about that. I'm so excited. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Today, I want to, to talk about being filled, being filled. I want to start a series about being, being filled, and we're going to lead up to Pentecost Sunday, which is only just a couple of Sundays. Uh, and today, I'm not going to talk so much about the Spirit as what I had intended on doing. I will do that next Sunday. But today, I want to talk about thirst. I want to talk about thirst. I want to go before you're filled. 
I want to go back to why you need to be filled, the why you need to be, to be filled. And so I want to talk to us about I thirst, I thirst. Anybody thirsty right now? Just literally thirsty. You just kind of thirst. Anybody just kind of want some water right now? Just kind of, it's okay. Let's, there's a couple of people that I thirst. I figured this would be a message that people walk out to go get water in. I don't know. You know, that's kind of how it, how it goes. I thirst. In John chapter 19, if you have your Bibles, in John chapter 19 is where I'll be taking your attention today. John 19, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith what? I thirst. I thirst. You may be seated. It was on July the 30th, 1945, and I've used this illustration before because it's such a powerful illustration to me. It was the battle cruiser, the USS Indianapolis, and just the last two weeks I've seen two different battleships, I've had the privilege of seeing two different battleships in two different ports across our nation. Those things are amazing. One of the battleships that I saw was the USS Lexington. It's the second one. It was going to be named the Cabot originally down in Corpus Christi. It's an aircraft carrier. I couldn't go on it because of COVID-19, but I sat there, took pictures of it, and went and read about it. But it was this USS Indianapolis. It was returning from a top-secret mission, delivering the final components of the atomic bomb to the Allied forces in the Pacific. The Indianapolis did not, did not make it home. It's very tragic. A, a Japanese torpedo hit that cruiser on its way, way back, and it sank within minutes. They say 12 minutes to be exact. And in 12 minutes, 300 of the, 12, 300 of the 1,200 men died. 900 men went into the water. Because of the top secret nature, nature of their, their mission, their sinking went unnoticed. Really, no one but the military knew that the ship was missing. The 900 sailors that survived the original attack, they spent a grueling four days and five nights without food and without water. Under the blazing sun, floating in the Pacific Ocean. Of the 900, of the 900 men that went to, to the water, only 316 survived the exhaustion, the dehydration, and even the sharks. One of those who survived who recorded this was the chief medical officer, and he recorded his own experience. And he wrote, and I quote, There was nothing that I could do but to give advice, bury the dead at sea, save the life jackets, and try to keep the men from drinking the water drinking the water. I've shared this illustration because of his statement right there. When the hot sun came out, he said we were so, we were in this crystal clear ocean and we were so thirsty and it was hard to believe that it, the water wasn't good enough to drink. Imagine for a moment the circumstances that those sailors found themselves in, dying of thirst but surrounded by water. The problem with salt water, and I don't like salt water. I like to go deep sea fishing and, and, and salt water fishing. And usually I normally get sick on those excursions. And I'm normally pretty good until I get the salt water in my mouth and then I lose it. That's just, it's horrible. But the problem with salt water is that there is no satisfaction in it. 
I mean, you can drink the salt water. You, you can drink it. But you will suffer from an increased amount of thirst afterward. And it's ironic. The more, the more salt water you drink, the less you quench your, your thirst. And the science of it is even more amazing. They say that the salt in the water inhibits the body or inhibits the water from, from entering into the cells of your body. And not only does it inhibit the water from entering the cells into your body, but it also sucks the water from within those cells that you already have. And the salt water literally draws the water out from your body. So instead of quenching your thirst, it leaves you even thirstier. And this is the reason why nearly 600 sailors died of thirst and heat exhaustion while surrounded by an ocean of water. Even with the chief medical officers there, warning them not to drink the water. As a matter of fact, he said that the men would eventually reach a breaking point where they lost all hope and began to frantically drink the salty water. But instead of helping, it only increased, sped up their, 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 their death, the moment of death. Now today I want to talk to you about another kind of thirst this morning. And this is a thirst, ladies and gentlemen, that is not born out of a physical condition of man, but instead it is a spiritual desire. You see, there is a thirsting within your soul, a deep-seated desire for the touch of God, what we just momentarily felt. And just like, just like the sailor floating in the ocean, the th things of this world will never satisfy the thirsting of your soul. You see, the things of this world are like the salt water. There is no satisfaction in them. I mean, all the things that we work so hard to obtain in life, none of those things can satisfy the thirst that is inside of your soul. You see, when you uh, obtain them, when you finally reach that place that you've, you struggle so hard to reach, and you discover that instead of quenching the, the thirsting of your soul, those things only leave you longing for something more. And it's ironic to me that the more that you try to satisfy yourself with the things of this world, the more dissatisfied you actually become. Anybody know what I'm talking about? King Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, he opened the door of understanding into the human condi uh, condition. And a portion of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 read from the Amplified Bible tells us that God has planted eternity into the hearts of men. The Amplified Bible goes on to explain that there is a divinely implanted sense of purpose working through the ages which nothing under the sun can satisfy but God alone. So when God made you and when God made me, he put a little piece, just a tiny piece of eternity in our hearts. And there is a portion of your spiritual DNA, your spiritual makeup, that knows what it is to have fellowship with the almighty God, your creator. There is a part of you, ladies and gentlemen, that has tasted a peace that passes all understanding, a joy that is unspeakable, and a love that is simply unfathomable. There is. There is a desire within your heart 
planted there by God that nothing in this world can satisfy and will ever satisfy. You see, this deep stirring and this deep craving within your soul is not too far removed from a natural hunger or thirst. It's this gnawing feeling. You know what I'm talking about. Somewhere in the back of your mind that something within you is not satisfied. And nothing in this world will ever satisfy that gnawing feeling that you have. I mean, men have believed that the wealth of this world would satisfy the longing of their souls. But, but wealthy men and women have thrown their lives away under the influence of, of an unexplainable depression because all of the money of this world can't quench the thirst within your soul. You thirst, ladies and gentlemen, and I thirst. People have believed that, that power and prestige and position and recognition would maybe somehow satisfy that desire within, but they become sadly disappointed as they have discovered that when they reach the pinnacle of success in their life, there is still something on the inside that is not satisfied. Still others have tried to fill the void with education and knowledge, and I love those things, but all the knowledge of the world will never ever satisfy that craving in your heart. You see, there is a part of you this morning that will only be satisfied in the presence of God and with the presence of God in your life. See, the psalmist David put it this way. He simply summed the up the human condition when he said in Psalms 42 verse 1, as the heart panted after the water brooks, so panted my soul after thee, O God. In verse 2 he said this, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. Just like the heart or the deer is driven by some inner compulsion to, to seek out water when he is wounded or, or, or weary. David said that, that there is something within me that drives me to seek God. And I must find him and I must search him. And when I find him, I must be satisfied with him. My soul thirsts for God. David said in another place in Psalms 143 verse 6, he says, I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land, O God. You see, David, David was the most successful king in the history of Israel. He bears his soul and he says that there is something within me that this world cannot satisfy. And I thirst, I thirst for you. I thirst for you, O God. And the problem is that many men and women the problem is, is that they spend their lives constantly seeking to feel that inner desire, but they are never satisfied. They are like those famous sailors in the oceans of deadly water. The things of this life that surround us, although they, they appear to have substance, they cannot touch this desire on the inside of us. And each one of us are like the sailor who finally reaches that state of delirium and is unable to, to believe that the water around them will, will not satisfy their thirst. And then the things of this life 
They appeal to our senses and, and we convince ourselves somehow that if I just had this or if I just had that or if I could just do this or if I could just do that or if I could just be this or if I could just be that, then I would satisfy my soul. And nothing in this world can satisfy that thirst but God. And the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 29 verse 8, he says, it is like when a hungry man dreams, and behold, he eats. But then he awakes, and he discovers that his soul is empty. Or he says, it's, it's as a thirsty man, or as a person. There it is. A thirsty, when, a, when a thirsty person dreams of drinking, but they awake faint, and, and they still thirst. They still thirst. As long as you try to feel the void in your life. With things of this world, you are always going to be disappointed. It is like that hungry man that dreams, that he's eating the, the richest, the, the most succulent foods, and his mind tells him that this should, should satisfy his, his hunger. But when he stirs himself from sleep, he realizes that his hunger is still there, gnawing him from the inside the things of this world will draw you, they will attract you, they will promise to satisfy you. And once you have tasted them and given yourself fully to them, then, right then, you will begin to discover that, that, that their satisfaction is fleeting. It's just for a moment. And then you awaken to discover that there is still a longing in your soul that hasn't been satisfied. Solomon, the, the, the wisest man that ever lived, he still found himself trapped within this vicious cycle of life, trying to satisfy a spiritual thirst with earthly appetites. You see, that can't happen. It's impossible to satisfy a spiritual thirst with earthly appetites. Solomon tried drinking from polluted wells of this world, trying to find that satisfaction. And he tried it all. He documented his, his, his search in the book of Ecclesiastes. In chapter 2, he, he, he says, he tries wild living. He says, he says, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. For that lifestyle was empty. And verse 2, he says, laughter, is, I said, is madness. He said, it's foolishness. And, and, and what does pleasure accomplish? I mean, he lived the life that many longed for. I mean, it was all play and no work. He, it was 5 o'clock somewhere all the time for Solomon. But that did not satisfy him. Look at verse 3. He tried wine, he says. He said, I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. I wanted to see what was worthwhile. For men, what, what, what they would do under the heaven during the few days of their life. He said, I just wanted to see what was good for people to do. I just wanted. And then what did he find out? He found out what many an alcoholic has learned. That all the wine in this world won't satisfy the inner thirst of a man. And then he tried wealth. Look at it. He said in chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. 
He said, I, I, I bought male and female slaves and, and had other slaves who were born in my house. And, and I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. He said in verse 8, I have my silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and, and a harem as well. The delights of a man's heart. But he came to the conclusion that the eyes of man are never satisfied. And the more he has, the more he wants. And the reason for that is because of the thirsting in his soul can never be satisfied with the possessions here on earth. So in chapter 2, verse 10, Solomon said this. He said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. What I saw and wanted, I took, I got. He said, I refused my heart, no pleasure. Whatever it wanted to do, that's what I did. He said, my heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for all my toll. But still there was an emptiness, ladies and gentlemen, on the inside. He tried wisdom and knowledge. He immersed himself in education. If you continue reading this chapter, he says, but even wisdom and knowledge didn't satisfy my longing. And finally, at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon divulged the result of his search. In chapter 12, verse 13, Solomon said, now all has been heard, and here is the conclusion of the matter. This is it right here. I've had gold and servants I've had pleasures, I've had wisdom and knowledge, I've had education, I've had everything. But here it is. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. You see, Solomon finally discovered that the only source of satisfaction for the longing of his soul was a true, genuine relationship with God. Now, let me save you a whole lot of trouble this morning. I believe I can save you from spending your life like Solomon, searching for something to satisfy your soul. And the truth is that nothing in this life will ever satisfy the longing of your soul. And as long as you pursue the things of this life, as long as you're looking for the things of this world, you will be like a, a, a man wandering in the desert, craving to drink just something, just water, who looks up and he suddenly sees an oasis on the next sand dune. And he runs to it passionately. And when he arrives there, the oasis has disappeared and then it reappears on the next sand dune. And then when he runs to that sand dune, he falls to his knees and he scoops up that precious water and he discovers that it's only sand in his hands and that precious water has eluded him again and now he awaits on the next sand dune. And he continues to chase this illusion of satisfaction until he finally dies of thirst because of the mirage will never quench his thirsting. Ladies and gentlemen, you will never be satisfied by the things of this world. And the water that surrounds you 
is poisonous. And without God in your life, it will only increase the emptiness inside you. And the things of this life, they, they're, 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 they're constantly shifting. They're constantly changing. They're like that mirage on, 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 on the sand dune. I mean, you can pursue a better job and more money and another car and more expensive clothes and a bigger house. But in the end, they will leave you disappointed because they don't give you the lasting pleasure that you think that they will give you. And that's the reason why many successful people turn to alcohol and drugs. Because they think that somehow they will find a source of contentment in those things. And they're running from pain in life and suffering here. And they're trying to numb it and trying to get the next best thing. But all they find is disappointment. And it's just like the salt water to a dying sailor. The things of this world are not capable of satisfying the thirst of your soul. And you thirst when Jesus carried the weight of all the sins to the world of the world to an old rugged cross, Jesus felt a crushing disappointment of all those who wasted their lives in a futile search for something to fill the longing of their soul. And Jesus only made seven statements from the cross, and I believe each of them were calculated and meaningful. But he only spoke once to his personal condition. And as he hung upon that cross with all the weight of men's follies and sins upon them, he uttered two simple words. He said, I thirst. And it is the only fitting description for the lasting effects of the things of this world. For when sin has its way with you, and when the things of this world are done with you, they will leave you dry, empty, barren, and thirsty. And there is no satisfaction in them. The prophet Isaiah spoke to a nation that was completely uh, trying to, or desperately trying to fill the longing of their, of their souls with everything uh, in this, this thing inside of them. And they were using everything but the presence of God, so to speak. And he said to them in Isaiah 55 verse 2, he said, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? He said, and, and why do you labor for that which doesn't satisfy? I mean, why have you given yourself and all of your efforts to changing things that, chasing things that cannot satisfy the longing of your soul? I mean, why have you wasted yourself upon things that, 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 that only leave you more empty than before you started? And then he gives an invitation. He says, listen, listen, listen to me. Eat what is good, and you will delight in the, in the richest uh, uh, affair. Eat, eat, let your soul eat what it's supposed to eat. In Isaiah 55, verse 6, six he says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. And I am not here this morning to, to just paint a picture of, of thirst, but rather I am here in the, prophet of, uh, in the spirit of the prophet Isaiah to invite you to eat what is good. Jesus is the only thing. I'll say it again. Jesus is the only thing that can satisfy the thirsting of your soul. And right now, that longing that is within you 
is responding to the presence of God. In that worship service just moments ago, when you felt the glory of God in this house, this room, there was a longing inside of you. There is a drawing. Hear me. There's those who are guests today and those who are members. And it's been a while since you've even been in a worship service. And it just felt good to settle in and soak in the glory of God. Because there is a longing inside of you. Whether you're a, whether you're a member or a guest, everyone here has that longing even now still inside of them. Doesn't matter how, how spiritual you are, how many gifts you have, if you're spirit filled or not, you still have that longing inside you. And there is a drawing. And as your soul recognizes that, uh, what it so de- desperately needs, uh, it craves it. And when it sees it, comes in contact with it, it begins to pull even harder and harder and harder. The gospel writer, and I begin to close. And I'm going to give you a moment here with this worship team. They're going to lead us in worship. And I'm going to give you a moment for everyone here to respond in worship. But the writer tells the story, John, I referred to it moments ago, of Jesus going through Samaria, where he's met by a woman at a well. I don't have time this morning to delve into the personal details of her life. Well, let me just say this, that this woman had expended herself on the things of this life while trying to satisfy an inner thirst. And listen to what Jesus said to the woman in John chapter 3, verse, or John chapter 4, verse 13. He said, whosoever drinketh of this water, talk about the water at the well. He said, shall thirst again. Physical water. Doesn't even have the ability, ladies and gentlemen, to permanently satisfy physical thirst. I can take a drink right now, and in a few moments when I get through speaking, I'll take a drink again. Because physical water doesn't have the ability to permanently satisfy physical thirst. You can drink it, but be rest assured, you will thirst Again, and Jesus went on to say in verse 14, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give shall never thirst. The water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And there it is again. An invitation to satisfy the thirsting of your soul. Jesus is talking about satisfying all of your innermost cravings. He doesn't necessarily mean that he will give you a new car or a new house or a new boat or a new whatever. He'll do something far better than that. He'll give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. He will fill you with a peace that passes all understanding. It's really that simple this morning. Seek him while he may be found. Call up up on him while he is near. And if the things of this world cannot satisfy even earthly desires, 
how much more will they fail to satisfy the longing in your soul? So what do I do? I mean, you're starting a series, Pastor Green, about being filled with the Spirit. How does it happen? How do I satisfy this thirst that's here? We'll talk about it more next week. But let me just say this in Acts 2. When asked the question, men and brethren, what do we do? Peter responded in Acts 2, verse 38, and he said, repent. And be baptized, every one of you. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He even said in verse 39 that the promise is unto you and your children and to all that are far off. You see, the first step to satisfying the longing in your soul is finding a place of repentance and asking God to forgive your misguided, your misguided attempts at trying to fill the emptiness in your life. And as you cry out to God in His presence, you will discover that, that His Spirit will draw near to you. And in just a moment's time, you can be drinking from springs of living water. I didn't give you the scripture, Christopher, in John 7, verse 37 and 38. 7, verse 37 of John. It's a great feast. They've been eating and drinking all week. And Jesus stood up at the end of that feast and he said in John 7, 37, If any man is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. And then he says this, He that believeth on me, in verse 38, As the scripture has said, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And then the writer puts it in a parenthetical statement. It's in parentheses in verse 39. It says, But this spake he of the Spirit which they that believe on him should receive. You see, there is a refreshing for your soul. You don't have to float any longer in the ocean water of an unquenchable thirst. There is a soul satisfaction right here, right now. And you can either stifle the hunger and the thirsting of your soul and, and walk out of this place today to continue your search for some earthly thing to satisfy an eternal thirst, which will never happen. Or you can simply step out from where you are and make your way into the presence of an almighty God and discover the only satisfaction that your soul will ever know. And so as Isaiah said, let me give you this invitation in his words. Come and let your soul delight itself. What are you saying, Pastor Green? I'm simply saying in the next 15 minutes, for how long? As this praise team steps out, they begin, begin to lead us. And I've asked them to lead us in this song, this specific song. Spirit break out. My prayer for you today is that you will, you will allow the longing that is inside your soul, you will allow that longing, that thirst to be quenched. That's my prayer for you today. Whether you're a member of the anchor or whether you're a guest, we all have that longing deep down inside 
I thirst. On behalf of everyone here at The Anchor, we want to thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this message, there are a few things that you can do. Share this podcast on Facebook or send it directly to your friends. Also, please leave a review on any platform that you're listening from. If you have any questions, please reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram. Send us a message. We'll get right back to you. We're happy to help you in any way that we can. See you next week.